Hi there, this is Clark Terry here, reminding you to pull your bearskins a little closer to the fire. That's it. <laughs> now you're talking to hey. Ah, watch out for those snapping sparks. Everybody cozy? Now the good news is that you're in time for the humble farmer. You've worked hard all day, and you deserve to relax now. So stay right there and listen to the best of this kind of music. Thank you. 
sunny stit. <laughs> Listening to him, I, I can't believe I interviewed that man over 30 years ago. I can't, I can't believe I ever dared to speak to such a giant. <laughs> when you're young, you can do things you can't do when you're old. Ever since Facebook was invented, I have gone to Google, which brings up my screen of Open Me icons across the top of the page, and then, and only then, have I opened my Facebook page. I just discovered that I can pull the Facebook icon down to the bottom of my computer screen and open Facebook without first going to Google. My point here is that the wheel was probably invented in many different parts of the world at different times.
Mez. Mezro here on the Humble Farmer, where with any luck at all you can hear me playing old-fashioned music just for you every week at this time, right here on your favorite station. Today we're playing a lot of Sunny Stitt. One day, my wife Marsha, the almost perfect woman, passed through my office studio on her way home from the showers and said that she had been watching the famous girl who broke her leg skiing being interviewed on TV. Now, this girl is very pretty. She is Tiger Woods' acknowledged present girlfriend. So you might know who I mean. I don't know the name. Marsha said that most of the interview with this girl consisted of... Uh, uh, mm. And Marsha said she wanted to shake the girl and, and beg her to spit it out. My wife says she doesn't know how anyone with her linguistic skills could be one of the talking heads at the Olympic Games. Well, we all have things that we can do, and we have things that we can't do. And we all have our idiosyncrasies that endear us to others. One of the most memorable high points of my teaching career was getting fifth grader Paul Strout to come up to the blackboard and do an imitation of me. Paul, Paul could have made a good living on the stage as he is a natural observer of people. He could do this when he was a little kid. Paul had every one of my ears and ahs and buts and mms. He had my favorite expressions. He had my gestures and mannerisms down perfectly. It's fun to see him doing me. So, should this girl, who is one of the world's best skiers, be expected to excel in other skills? Must she also be a great cook? Tiger Woods was probably not drawn into her net by her omelettes or apple pancakes. He's probably into muscle tone. I would cut this girl some slack. There is hope. You remember the movie called The King's Speech, where the king got help with his stuttering? So, before letting this girl with a broken leg on the air, the networks will certainly put her in the hands of a modern-day Henry Higgins. She's very pretty, and many men will probably not pay any attention to what she's saying anyway. Does this girl remind you of the ten-year-old violin virtuoso who could play every piece of literature written for his instrument? Next year, his mother intends to teach him how to walk and feed himself.
That was pure stit there, wasn't it? Pure stit. My cough, my cough had been hanging in there for 35 or so days, and I thought it was time to put an end to my cough before my cough put an end to me. So I went into Penn Bay Medical Center, and I sat down on the other side of the desk from Judy, who checks people in. Big sign there on Judy's computer. Keep your germs to yourself. Cover your cough. I told Judy I thought that was a good sign, and I told her that it shows I sometimes stood by the door and shook hands with two or three hundred people. And the first thing I did afterwards was wash my hands. Think of all the germs that I spread. One hand to another. I got to wondering why we shake hands. The custom obviously evolved before people knew about germs, and I told Judy that I think we should have another way of greeting our friends that wouldn't spread germs. And Judy said, Well, you know what my dog does. Williams, 
whom I discovered late in life. I really, I really didn't feel like I was wasting any time when I went into town for my annual checkup because it was a typical cold, raw, wet day on the coast of Maine, and I couldn't work outside anyway. But the first thing the doctor did when he came into the room and saw me sitting in the chair was open the window wide. And the wind and the cold rain blew into the room, but the doctor smiled and looked refreshed and relieved. And I sat there and shook, and I shivered. And it wasn't until then that I realized I was wearing the same shoes that I wear when I go out to check on the cows.
Sonny Stet Scrapple in there. <laughs> A lot of jobs. You are, of course, listening to The Humble Farmer here on your favourite radio station. Where, with any luck, you can hear me playing old-fashioned music just for you every week at this time. And I thank you so much for listening. We read in the paper that Florida... Congressman Trey Redell resigned less than a month after he returned to Capitol Hill from a stay in rehab that followed his arrest for cocaine possession. He was caught in a sting, according to what I read in the paper, he was caught in a sting by an undercover agent. In a resignation letter addressed to the House Speaker, the freshman Republican said he could no longer fully and effectively serve as a member of Congress in light of his personal struggles. But, you know, I'd like to give you this some very careful thought. Please remember that when this man is at home in Florida, it's probably easier to continue to buy drugs without discovering that fellow you're talking to is just another undercover agent. An old cowpoke went riding out one dark and windy day. Upon a ridge he rested as he went along his way. When all at once a mighty herd of red-eyed cows he saw A plowing through the ragged skies And up a cloudy draw When do I come in, old timer? In this song, it don't matter, partner. Go ahead, sing. Their faces gone, their eyes were blurred, their shirts all wet with sweat. Don't be half foolish boy. <laughs> They're riding hard to catch the herd, but they ain't caught him yet. Get along, little doggy. Cause you got to ride forever on that age up in the sky. On horses snorting fire. Is that possible? How would I know? As they ride on here, they cry. This is a cowboy legend. Oi!
to march and home again. Hooray, hooray. You make the guy who wrote the song pay and pay. Cause all we hear is ghost riders sung by Blonde Monroe. <laughs> Race the third there, wasn't that nice? Spike Jones. You probably haven't heard that for well, since you were a small child. You remember they used to play that a lot when you were a kid. Now you might have had old retired people tell you that they would never spend a winter in Florida. And if you ask these people why, you will discover that they have never spent a winter in Florida. And you know this because they will tell you that they can't stand the heat, the snakes, the bugs, and the alligators. Because <laughs> anyone who has spent a winter, a January, say, in southern Florida, knows that they wear their long underwear and a heavy jacket, and perhaps even mittens on many days. The only problem with heat is getting enough of it. No. The real problem with southern Florida is the smoke. There's always something burning. You don't hear any talk about Florida air quality on the news because it would hurt the tourism business. And, of course, perhaps the air is no different from that in Ohio, so people who come down to Florida from Ohio don't know the difference anyway. So when someone tells you that they would never spend a winter in Florida because of the heat and the bugs, you know that they've never been there. But if they say they can't stand Florida because of the smoke, you know they are speaking from experience. My old neighbor, Grant Wiley, spent one winter in Florida with his daughter, but he didn't like it. Grant said, it's not the heat, but the humility. Thank you. 
Sunny step. The recording machines they have now are so much better. Be interesting to hear what that would sound like if they had been recorded within the past year or two. Some great sound man like Frank Statner or someone recording it. You are, of course, listening to The Humble Farmer. I am appreciative. Thank you for listening. It is unfortunate that no young people listen to this program because I'm about to impart a significant bit of wisdom that they would ignore even if they were listening. My topic is the danger of mating with an incompatible person. The divorce rate is high, and although the reason for divorce is simple, it is difficult to explain. To begin with, there is a human race only because our bodies develop from the bottom up, which means that the last organ to become functional is the one between our ears. You've heard me say it often. I got married at the age of 54. And when you get married at 54, it is your brain that makes the decision. Thousands of years ago, it was all right if people 12 or 14 years old started families because before they were 20, one of them had either been stepped on by a woolly mammoth or been eaten by a saber-toothed tiger. So, long before man and wife had time to discover they were incompatible, Mother Nature had already eliminated the need for endless unpleasant discussions that lead to divorce. Could we cut down on the divorce rate if we were to live together for two or three years before getting married? Well, I used to think we might, but there's new evidence indicating that even 16 years of living together might not be long enough. One morning, my wife Marsha, the almost perfect woman, said, You are using my toothbrush. I said, Ever since time began, I have used a red toothbrush. I'm glad that we are not planning to have children, because she said, So have I.
Question for the week, under No Things Considered. Think about what kind of community you'd like to live in if you were unemployed and looking for a job. Or, think about what kind of community you'd like to live in if you sold cars or insurance or ice cream or anything else. Would you be better off economically in a community where everyone earned around $100,000 a year? or in a community where two people who each earned $5 million a year were providing employment for all of the other people in that community who were happy to have jobs that each paid $20,000 a year. Got it? In which community do you think there would be more money spent in restaurants, car dealerships, hardware stores, and, and in every other business? In which of those two communities do you think there would be less crime? In which community do you think more young people would go away to any kind of college? In which community, which of those two communities, would people have more of their original teeth? Or any kind of teeth? I'm just asking. What do you think? I'm the humble farmer at gmail.com. Love to hear from you.
curious. Who was that on there with Stitt? Was it Bird or Cannonball Adley? Who else could have played that much doodling? doodly doo dee doo You might have read that a team of scientists has developed candy that has no sugar or fat but looks and tastes like candy. They are now working on chicken, potatoes, and gravy that contain absolutely no nutrition. You can well believe that critics of this nutritionless food program are alarmed, claiming that entire well-fed populations could actually be in the process of being starved to death by their enemies. <laughs> 